One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that gets our guests talking about themselves and their lives like there's no microphone in front of them, thanks to the way music connects us to our memories and somehow seems to open up our hearts. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is Alyssa Rocca. Alyssa is an opera singer who says she enjoys performing in a variety of styles, ranging from Baroque to contemporary and everything in between. She graduated with a Master of Music from Southern Methodist University and a Bachelor of Music in Voice Performance from the University of Miami, Frost School of Music. She also recently completed a performer's diploma at Southern Methodist University in Dallas. Alyssa began her musical training at a very early age, singing in choirs for more than 15 years and taking lessons in piano and flute, but it wasn't until she began her work with Opera Naples in the summer of 2009 that she truly discovered her love of opera. Since then, she's been very involved in both Opera Naples' main stage and summer performances. She's also worked as a soloist with a variety of symphonies and has produced and performed numerous solo recitals. She's also known for her work in contemporary music and frequently works with composers including Joseph Thalkin, Dan Welcher, Michael Doherty, and primarily with composer Jason Mulligan. She premiered his first vocal work in 2012, and the two have continued to collaborate on countless projects, including a premiere as part of the New American Voices series. She has premiered over 16 pieces, including a full-length concert drama and set of songs of her own texts. She came across our radar because her mom, Maria Rocca, was a guest on this show last year and is a friend of mine. So now that she's here, let's get on to her song stories. Hey there, Alyssa. Hello. I hope I effectively whittled down your, your bio. <laughs> yeah. musicians it's and performers long. like you, they have all these names I can't pronounce and all these things. So I hope I got it. I, said, I think you said them all right. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Podcast. Podcast. You said you're making a podcast. Yeah. So actually, the composer who is at, at the end of that list, Jason Mulligan, we're going to talk about him probably a lot today because he's he's been my best friend for eight, nine, I don't know, a lot of years. Um, and we now have concert tours together. He's written me over like two hours of music. Hmm. It's kind of ridiculous. It's it, Yeah, he's great. So, but, so he is my podcast partner, which is on hiatus, but hopefully we're coming back soon, called Super Music Nerd Friendcast. I like that. It's really right silly and nerdy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, for a while, we were just talking about sort of the, the crossover between classical music and nerdy stuff. We talked about RuPaul's Drag Race, which is kind of whatever. It, it was very silly and fun. Um, he's getting a PhD at Duke right now, so he's in the middle of uh, studying for his qualifying exams. Right, so, so he we're on have hiatus. Podcast time. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good. Ex- um, that's a good excuse. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and you also mentioned before we got started that you do cosplay. I do. Uh, like what? So um, I, I wish I had more time to do it now, but you know it's expensive and time consuming. But I do. My go to is sort of Alice in Wonderland. Um, there's a the main character from a friend of mine's video game. Actually, I do a lot of promotional material with him, so I cosplay this character. Um, What's the video game called? It's called Space Revolver. Okay. It should be coming out, hopefully, fingers crossed, in the next two months. So Google it. Keep your eyes out. Okay. Yeah. Are um, you in town for um, uh, family reasons only, performance reasons also? Mostly this time for, for family. Um, there's, I sing at Cypress Cove's church for Christmas Eve every year and have now every year for nine years, oh, wow. ten years, a lot of years. Uh, so they're like – we can't have Christmas Eve without you. You have to come back. We'll die if you don't come back. And then I get worried because it's a retirement community, so they might mean that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... <laughs> uh, Richard. Uh, hey, yeah, sorry, I'm catching up here, but... Um, <laughs> uh, I'm reading a blurb, and it says, Space Revolver is a game deeply inspired by Cowboy Bebop yeah. and Mega Man X. Yeah. All things we love. So, like, someone made a game for me? Yeah, so it's going to be awesome. Tell, tell everyone to friend, buy it. Tell your friend thanks. I will. That's the game I want. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's so funny. Um, uh, have you come across? Uh, is it Z Ab- Ab- Alan Abbott? Richard Z Alan Abbott? Is that his name? Yeah, Doctor. Yeah, he he does yeah. something at Dr. Cypress Z. Cove. Abbott. I don't know. He's oh. become a big supporter of the station in the last couple of years. Oh, anyway, cool. He's the only. He's what pops into my head when I hear Cypress Cove. Gotcha. How would you characterize the musical background of your childhood? Um, I literally can't remember a time that I wasn't running around the house singing. Um. 
I, when I was in the third grade, finally got to be in our school musical. I remember vividly being in the second grade when they started the musical program at San Carlos Park Elementary. I was in the OG musical program. Uh, and they wouldn't let me be in it because I was in the second grade. And I was really mad. And so it was sort of like the, the path of like, like clawing my way onto the stage. Um, it's just always been a thing that I was surrounded by, that I was desperate to do. I've had many phases of what I thought I was going to do with it, including uh, for a while in middle school and high school, thinking I was going to learn Japanese, move to Japan and become a J-pop star. Ha. Huh. It's not um, too late. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It might be. Um, and then I fell into opera and here we are. So what about like music being played around you? Like? Oh, constantly, constantly. Um, was it opera? Was it stuff no, like that? Okay. It was, it was the music that my mother was really mm-hmm. listening to. So basically 50s to 70s, 80s ish, sort of everything. We had, uh, I don't think this exists anymore, but the radio station Oldies 95 mm-hmm. was on in the car constantly. My favorite song when I was a little kid was Love Potion Number no. 9. Because it's great. Yeah, Why not? Right. I just remember being this like tiny little five year old running around like screaming this song. <laughs> could you uh, could you always sort of naturally sing even as a little kid? Yeah. Were you, were you, um, were you aware of that as a little kid? Because you know um, you can you can want to sing and not realize you're bad at it. <laughs> That's true. <You> know? <laughs> I guess I I joined the South of Florida Symphony Children's Choir. That's a mouthful. Uh, when I was pretty young, and I remember they I auditioned with Everything's Coming Up Roses as like an eight-year-old, which is weird. And so they clung to that in the symphony, and they started calling me Minnie Ethel Merman. And so they, at that point, like the professionals, the, our director and, and that bubble was like, no, this, this kid's got pipes. Um, of course, I think I've found some recordings of baby me singing, and I'm like, wow, this is a trip because, I mean, I sound five. But, <laughs> but you know, it's in tune, so yeah, that's yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't happen to listen to my sister's episode of this show, did I, you? I don't remember. She um, she is, is a singer, and um, she lives out in Hollywood now. She's not really – mom and kid, and she's kind of just living her life. But she um, – at Villas Elementary, and it would have been second grade for her, they had an after-school movie, and the film broke, and they needed to kill time. And they, she said, I'll sing. And she got up on stage and started singing this Barbara Streisand song that had uh, lyrics that were not appropriate for a second grade. And they <laughs> ended up one of our family stories that she, my mom got a call because Megan was singing a, a, a racy Barbara Streisand song a cappella oh as a second best. grader. <laughs> that's the best thing. <laughs> um, did you play any instruments besides mm-hmm. singing? I do. What? I play flute and piccolo. I still do. Not Certainly not professionally. Um, but I, I picked up flute in the sixth grade. Me too. <laughs> really? Oh, my God. Yeah. You yeah. and Richard are long lost cousins. Apparently. We're BFFs now. So, um, yeah. No, I, I when I went to middle school, our middle school didn't have a choir. I went to Benita Springs Middle for the the fancy smart kids program. I don't remember what it was called. <laughs> fancy smart kids. Yeah. Oh, it was the Argo program. That's what it was. And um, they didn't have choir, but they did have band. And I was like, oh, what do I do? <laughs> and so I panicked and was like, that's fine. I'll join band. Um, and then we had instrument tryout day where we just got to like try to see if we could make a sound on any of the instruments. And I was like, uh, I think I'm kind of interested in like flute or saxophone. And our band director was like, well, you're tiny and the saxophone's probably too heavy for you. So you should play the flute. And I was like. Fight me. What? No. Come at me, bro. And then, of course, he put the flute tryout time before the saxophone tryout time, and I played it. And he was like, wait, you're, you it, you literally just picked it up and made a sound. Like, nobody does that. Here, this is yours. Right. <laughs> you right. don't even get a shot at yeah. saxophone. Melissa, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to commiserate because so I had the same thing kind of the other way. Um, I was getting into sixth grade. My dad said, you got to pick an instrument now. Oh, and man. I panicked, and I just said flute. And so I had like a summer of, of flute lessons before that, like that oh, same moment where yeah. they hold out all the mouthpieces and you got to try them and basically you make a noise and that's the one you get. Uh-huh. And the teacher looked at me and he's like, you got, you got pretty like broad, wide lips. You probably should be playing a trumpet. Oh my God. And I was like, but, but I own a flute. <laughs> They're so expensive. Yeah. And you know how they hold the, they hold the ends of the flute mm-hmm. and you put your mouth, like same thing. He held it up and he's like, fine, I guess. And it's boop. And he goes, oh. Well, oh. if you can do it, that then you're doing it. Yeah. And then every other piccolo is the same. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, flute or piccolo mm-hmm. in middle school. Mm-hmm. Were you doing choirs alongside of that? So in middle school, I was still 
in the Southwest Florida Symphony Children's Choir, I think. I'm pretty sure. Um, and I then I, I played flute and piccolo in band all through middle school, all through high school, and I still took some lessons uh, the first couple of years of college. And now I mostly use it to conserve myself as I'm practicing so I'll learn my vocal music on flute hmm. so I'm not that's like, a really interesting technique it's it's really really helpful because you're still I hooking up to that. the air you're still hearing the you're notes building whatever those things are that happen in your head mm-hmm. when you're learning that stuff but saving your voice yeah yeah it's wow. really useful um, so, Were you a marching band flutist no okay they tried in in high school supposedly to be in band, you had to be in marching band. But I was a vocal major, so I went to Cypress Lake High School, and a band minor, and I was the only piccolo player, so they needed me and they couldn't kick me out. (laughs) Um, uh, What did you audition uh, with for Cypress? Uh, I auditioned for voice. But what was your... Oh, what did I sing? What did you sing, yeah. Oh, my God. I think I sang... I think I sang Simple and Clean by Utada Hikaru, which is the theme song for the original Kingdom Hearts game. Because, hi, I'm a nerd. <laughs> okay, okay. Does that resonate with you too, Richard? It does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All, although, um, like, all, like, Apples and Cinnamon and yes. Simple Inc. Like, all, all of those are, for me, the Kingdom Hearts music. Yeah. Yeah. I'm obsessed. <sighs> I love the synchronicity going on here. Um, did you get any pushback in terms of per, 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 uh, pursuing music full time, like, from your mom? I mean, because, no. you know, like, when I tell people that my daughter's going to Cyprus and she's going to try to go to theater for college, they're like, well, don't you want her to do something that's stable that she can get a career? And I'm like, I don't know. It took me 16 years to graduate college. What am I going to tell a kid to do? Yeah. You know? No, I've, I've been very blessed that my mother, I mean, she, as I'm sure she discussed on her episode, was in theater for a really long mm-hmm. time, owned a dance company, did arts management, all that jazz. So she's been in the world and she's she's always been Someone who's like, if this is the thing that makes you happy, if this is the thing that you like, know you are supposed to do, great, do it. Right. And uh, particularly right now, understand how much it sucks to figure out how to make a living doing it. Right, yeah. But well. like, so help me God, I'm going to do it or die. There's no option. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's get to your first song. All right. What is it? Why is it? How okay. do you want to handle the story? So I think we're, um, we're starting with the Jabberwocky. Mm-hmm. Um it's kind of all I mean, all of my stories are kind of these prolonged, like multi-year sagas. Um, so I think I'll tell you a little bit and then we'll listen to it and then we'll do more. Sounds um, great. So the Jabberwocky Aria is a piece by a name you've heard multiple times now, Jason Mulligan, who's my best friend. Um, he wrote this piece for me his senior year of college, my junior year. Um, we had, we collaborated only once before, but had sort of started becoming really good friends at that point. And this was also the beginning of my obsession with Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> um, and he needed a piece for his senior recital, and he decided he was going to write the first scene of Through the Looking Glass, and he was going to start writing an opera, and I was his muse. And, like, you know, as a 21-year-old budding opera singer, that's, like, the coolest thing to be told right. ever. Uh, <laughs> so he he writes the piece, and sends it to me. And I was in New York at the time uh, doing, I don't remember what, probably, I don't know. I don't remember why I was there. But we were in my grandmother's house on Staten Island. And I start plunking it out on the piano. And I realize, as I'm playing it on the piano, that the piano is a quarter tone flat. And I'm now trying to learn this very difficult piece of contemporary music, detuned. Right, which is bad. Which is bad. <laughs> <clears throat> Thankfully, I realized that very quickly... And I learned it on a pitch pipe. So that's a thing that happened somehow. <laughs> um, now, a pitch pipe is each pipe just is it one It's note? literally an octave. It's just, oh, so you have the entire, you have all the notes in the octave yeah, on the on pipe. A pitch pipe. Okay, uh-huh. I never have seen one up close. Okay, yeah. continue. Yeah, so that was dumb and crazy. And, and when you hear the piece, I'm sure you'll be like, how? Right. How? How? I still am like, how did I do that? I don't know. Um, but it was it's also such a cool thing for me because even though he had written me one piece before, we didn't really know each other then. So at this point now, this is over a year later, and he'd really become very familiar with both me as a person and me as a musician. So this was really the first piece of music I encountered that was like a tailor-made dress, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like it is perfect to show off what I do. Um, and it, it's pretty cool. So let's do that. And we'll talk some more about it. All right, Jabberwocky by Jason Mulligan. Oh, the dear Lord, the Lord, the Lord. 
That's you singing? That's me singing. And that's, is that him accompanying you? No. So that is the phenomenal Brian Bentley. Um, he's a coach at Southern Methodist University and has become a, a very close cl- close collaborator of mine. Um, I adore him because he can play nonsense music and loves doing it with me. He's, he's great. Um, yeah. So that was actually from 2018. So not the premiere because, dear God, that recording will not see the light of day. I did not know how to sing. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, Just have a bad night or what? I, I guess that happens. When, so when I was in school at the University of Miami, I was not taught the best vocal technique and at that point had developed pre-notes. So I was sort of singing on damaged vocal cords what's at the pre, time. What's pre-note? What? Um, so uh, I've, have you heard of nodes? I, vocal nodes? Uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll, <laughs> I was like, uh, no, Adele had polyps or something. I don't know. A, a lot of times, singers who are singing poorly develop, there are these hard calluses on okay. your vocal folds. Thankfully, I was just at the pre-node stage, so they were just soft calluses, so I could go on rest and it would heal. But if I had continued singing the way I was singing, now I wouldn't have a voice. Like Steve Perry. Uh, sure. <laughs> oh, no. like, the, 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 I don't know. The examples that I know for sure are, you know, like like Natalie Desay, who's phenomenal, uh, but had notes twice and has since had to retire. Okay. Um, so I, you know, went on the path of recovery, went to Southern Methodist University, was rehabilitated. So now I can sing like that and not destroy my voice. Understood. Cheers. Okay. So or, can, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was for my last concert um, as a student, which is crazy. Um, but I ta- clearly I premiered it in 2012, 2013, something like that. And it, every chance I get to put it on something, I will because I, I just adore it and I want everyone to hear it. And, you know, it's fun for me because it's for me. Is that the first song of a whole thing? So it was part of the first scene um, and he wrote the first scene and the last scene. And now it's sort of like morphing into maybe not an opera, but um, a set. he's just sort of leaving it as the set of scenes right now, but we're discussing maybe future things, becoming a, making like a one-woman show out of it instead of a big, full, like, multi-person. Yeah, we'll see. Huh. When yeah. was the last time you performed it? Uh, that was it, 2018. Oh, that was the most recent time. Yeah. Do you sing around the house and stuff? Oh, like, do you sing time. that around the house? Oh, yeah. Or do you sing, like, what's, you know, your favorite pop songs from the day or it, whatever? It depends on the day. Sometimes I'm wandering around oh. singing, like, Berg's Lulu, which is really weird. <laughs> um, sometimes singing that. Sometimes I'm wandering around screaming, like, Sia. Who knows? Hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, so where does music fit into your life in terms of listening to it, like, not studying for a show or production, but just consuming music? Um, These days, I don't listen to as much as I would like to. I have my sort of go-to couple of artists, and if I'm in the music mood while I'm driving, I'll put that on and, like, scream in the car. Who are they right now? Um, Well, one of them, actually, we're going to talk about one of his songs, Merrick Smith. Um, He's got an EP and an LP now that I will listen to on repeat until I... I will never get sick of them. Okay. Well, we'll get to um, that in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I'll throw on some Utada Hikaru sometimes, or I'll throw on like a Broadway show. Um, Do you or, have any music that has physical form, or are you all Spotify streaming, whatnot? Um, I have a, no, I have a lot of, I have a lot of c- CDs, mostly actually here in Florida. I don't have a lot of them with me in Dallas. Um, and I have some, some fun like thumb drive type things mm-hmm. of music from indie artists. Um, I don't like streaming i'm crazy i have like a ten thousand song itunes library oh okay of course now itunes is dying which is sad but it's so like meticulously organized it's really silly um there's too much (laughs) so it's like a whole month of music are you able to get that out of itunes when it dies i know Um, like apple has some weird proprietary stuff i don't really know how it all works but i have all the physical files so i can't imagine that it's gonna just like wipe your computer when it dies right I don't know. I, I hope don't not. have Apple, so I don't know. Um, did you ever do um, any camp stuff at the Alliance for the Arts as a kid? I you know, think they do I summer camps, did. they do spring, winter camps, they sing, they do stuff like I that. I think one summer, this <clears throat> is a very cloudy memory, but I know I did some kind of camp. I think it was down there. That was a like build your own musical theater mm-hmm. camp. We were pretty little. I cannot for the life of me remember what we crafted, but I know we had to like make up a musical. And uh, and then perform it at the end of the week. Do you remember uh, the first time that you performed 
on stage in front of people? I or think, is that so young that no, it's not necessarily crystallized? I think it was probably when I did Schoolhouse Rock Live Junior in the third grade. This is the funniest thing. I tell everyone my first role was a pants role. I was singing George in Schoolhouse Rock Live Junior. <laughs> and the first solo I ever sang was Three is a Magic Number. So that's why hey. I'm like <laughs> – Yeah, that's the basis for our theme song. Yeah. And uh, some people don't hear it, but it's there. That's what it's based on. Oh my God. We handed off three is a magic number and gave it to my friend Dave and said, Go podcast. And he came back a week later with the kazoo and the jaw harp and the ukulele, and that's what it is. That's why everybody counts up to three. That's why we have you count to three. You're counting in tempo. That's why it's three song stories. Oh my God. It's all so mindful and connected. (laughs) I literally have. Have a recording of, of eight year old me singing that. It's hilarious. You have that that you can give us. If you want it, I'll yes. send it we'll, to you. We'll, we'll use that it. as adjacent content it's on hysterical. social media. Oh, yeah. It's it's the funniest thing because I like I'm a tiny human now, but I was like I literally looked like a midget in elementary school. I was a head and a half <laughs> shorter than everybody else. You're this is currently not a the joke. size of a middle schooler. Yeah, or yes. maybe even a fifth grader. People think I'm 18 <laughs> a lot or younger. And I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> Please think that forever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, we um, had when um, when Bob Doro passed away, the the guy who wrote that that song. Yeah, uh, we did an opener or a, was it, I guess it, was it was an opener, it was cold the opener. opener. Yeah. yeah, instead of instead of our regular theme song, we played his version oh my for God. that for that week because it was just such a kind and of, we did our first live show at the Sanibel Island Writers Conference that was our parting tune that we played and the whole audience got yes. to hear it so yes that's part of our ethos I love it yeah I was I, I still I love that song I love all of Schoolhouse Rock that's that's very still ingrained in me as like young music stuff but um, it's really funny to see teeny tiny little baby me like jamming out like nobody's business in this show and you've got all the other elementary school kids around me who are like we're awkward and on a stage oh my god and I'm like I can't dance but I'm gonna do it all out anyways let's go <laughs> so I wanted to ask that I'm glad you mentioned that because I wanted to ask something from way back in the beginning yeah um, you said that you were you know you were kind of a stage kid born totally and you were kind of put out by the fact that you had to wait till third grade oh, I was so mad so <laughs> what what was the play in second grade that you didn't get to be in and then what okay. was the first play in third grade that you were in. Brace yourself. This is the best, like, silly elementary school petty story ever. So they did Annie. And I wanted to be Annie. But I was too young, sure. according to them, which is total BS. Uh, but I will never forget the name of the girl who was <laughs> Annie. She was a year older than me. Her name was Sable Hicks. Like, what a good like my rival name right yeah yeah it'll I've, be in the biopic yeah i mean I've, i have no idea what she's doing now you haven't looked her up i think i tried and i couldn't find her i don't <laughs> think she's on social media unless huh. i'm wrong but um but i just remember at that moment i was like she's my rival <laughs> little kid drama yeah um <laughs> so i was really mad and then third grade rolls around we're doing school house rock live junior and i was like let's go i'm gonna be dory i'm gonna be the main character she's got the most songs and like she has the most important song which is elbow room which is the best song huh and and i go audition and who gets cast is dory Sable. Sable. Yeah. <laughs> And I get cast as George. And I was like, I'm a boy? (gasps) Woe is me. But then we get the script with the cuts. And they cut my favorite song of hers. And they cut a whole bunch of stuff. And I was the only one left in the cast with two full solo songs. And so I was like, ha, I'm vindicated. I win. (laughs) And then I was so mad that they cut Elbow Room that I sang it in the talent show the next year. (laughs) Oh, I hope Sable's listening. Hi, Sable. Um, did you uh, did you have any other uh, rivals throughout your schooling? Um, not really. Not that's like the, that. That's the only time I remember. It was a very like petty elementary school. Were, were you thing. competitive competitive about flute stuff? Like, did you you no. know first seat, second seat? Not really. I think I think in middle school I was always first chair, and I remember the the girl who was always second chair to me was mad that I was first chair, and I just like didn't. You care. You were her sable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then as I as I got to high school, I was like, you know, I love doing this, but I have like crippling stage anxiety playing flute 
and none as a singer. It's hmm. really weird. Uh, and I know a lot of instrumentalists who also do both, but that is like the opposite for them. Like I can't sing in front of people, but I can play my instrument right, no problem. Right. Uh, so that was pretty clear to me which one I should do because right. I didn't like practicing flute as, like, as much as I liked singing. And, I mean, crippling performance anxiety. Like my fingers just don't work. So, hmm. yeah, it's weird. Uh, did you have a peak uh, musical that you performed in at Cyprus during your time there? I never performed in a musical at Cyprus. So you were just doing voice. You were mm-hmm. not doing theater at all. I auditioned for them. <laughs> huh. No, you know, it's funny. I, I always assumed that it was mostly because I couldn't dance to save my life. Um, but then my, I think my <clears throat> senior year, they were like, yeah, we liked your dancing, but we didn't like your singing. It's like, what? Well, there's a difference, I what? think, between musical theater <laughs> singing and voice singing, opera singing. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I got, I got really lucky this summer between my junior and senior year of high school and I got cast as the lead in Pirates of Penzance with Opera Naples for their summer stuff. And it, sort of in the process of doing that show, I was like, oh, oh, it's th- this. This uh-huh. is the thing. And it was it was a combination of like, oh, my voice feels like at home in this style. But also the people that I was surrounded by, the whole atmosphere of all of it, the whole process was like, this is what is so joyful about performing to me. Finally, I'm, I'm in an environment where Every single person is here because they want to be here, not because it's a school thing or because their right. parents said you have to do this or whatever. Everybody wanted to be there as much as I did. And our director was wonderful and our music director was wonderful. And I I was one of the older people in the room at 17. And our our major general was nine. And uh-huh. he is the most brilliant nine-year-old. I mean, now he's like, you know, 19. But um, I mean, truly the most brilliant kid I'd ever met was like, flabbergasted at how great this kid was so they ha- a nine-year-old was able to pull off yeah Major oh my General god song. i wanted i was gonna ask can you can you do that song i know it yeah i know i mean at least the whole first verse i know it go <laughs> i am the very model of a modern major general i have information vegetable animal and mineral i know the kings of lincoln and i quote the fights historical from marathon to waterloo in order categorical I'm very well acquainted with matters mathematical. I understand the equations both the simple and quadratical. Without binomial theorem, I am teeming with a lot of news. Lot of news, lot of news. With many trivial facts about the square of the hypotenuse. <laughs> and it goes on and on and on. <laughs> I'm a total GNS nerd. Hi. <laughs> Have you, and the, the answer is probably no, because it didn't really get that popular. But there's a movie that came out in the early Topsy 80s. Turvy? No. Oh. Pirate okay. movie. Oh, pirate movie? It's called The Pirate Movie. And it's this slapstick weirdo comedy that you will love if you can find it that starred Christy McNichol, who was my first crush as a kid. And it's all based on Pirates of Penzance. And it's got this what? big crazy number at the end. And it's like super silly 80s movie. I need this. Yeah. So. Hmm. Um, can you find anything from it, Richard? I've got, I've got like the Wikipedia. I'm going to look to see if some of the, like a video from it. I mean, definitely. You want a trailer? I just, yeah, I just, yeah, I just want a little something. <laughs> All right. Let me see if you're here. Oh, God. You never know what's going to come out. Because I hadn't heard of it. And so I thought of it it's so long. It's just called Pirate Movie? It's called, the, I think, the just pirate The Pirate Movie. movie. The Pirate Movie. <laughs> and it's cheesy. Oh, my God. It's so easy. Only yeah. one movie will have this sound. And only one movie will have Christy McNichol <laughs> and Christopher Atkins. Oh, Christopher Atkins. Oh, my God. Singing. Like them and some, like, waves behind them and everything. It's pretty amazing. Nothing's gonna stop us if we just believe. <laughs> oh, my God. This is so bizarre. So can't. I love that you also Loving. can't see what's happening. Yeah, because it's really something. <laughs> it's, it's like a 100% 80s movie, but also the play. Oh, my God. I need this. Oh, my God. Sweet. Okay, yeah, you got to try to find That's that. That's hilarious. I don't, know, I don't even know if it's on Netflix or anything. Who knows? It's um, okay. I have my ways. Okay. <laughs> uh, I understand. Uh, time for song number two. Yes. What did I say was song number two? The Merrick Smith song. Okay. All right. So this is a saga. I'm going to keep it as short as humanly possible. Okay. So in 2014, I just moved to Dallas, and I I go to New York all the time to take auditions on whatever. And so we still had the house on Staten Island at that point. So I was up for some audition, and I'm riding the subway back. Uh, It's late at night. And if you've ever been 
to Manhattan and had to commute between Manhattan and Staten Island. You know the struggle of the one train never, ever, ever running on time and always making you miss the last ferry. So you have to wait an hour for the next ferry. (laughs) So I'm on the one train and I'm like looking at my phone. I'm like, it's like 11. So, you know, it's like 1058, 1058. Like we're going to miss the 11 o'clock boat. We're going to have to wait an hour. (sighs) And so I'm like distressed. And then I like glance up and I see this this strapping young gentleman sitting across the train from me reading lines. And I was like, hmm, who is this person? I'm intrigued. No, I'm not going to be a weirdo. I'm just going to – I'm not, I'm not going to talk to him. And I was definitely – it's one of those moments where you're like going back and forth of like, do I talk to this person? Would that be super weird? I don't know. So I'm just like, I'm just going to – I'm just going to do my own thing. But I'm like constantly checking my phone to see if we're going to make the train. Or make the the ferry. And he says to me, as he sees me pick up my phone, he's like, yeah, there's probably no hope. We're going to be stuck in the the ferry terminal. I was like, great, this is my chance. Yeah, it's like you've opened the door. (laughs) You've opened the door. Now we can be best friends. (laughs) So so we start chatting, and it turns out he was auditioning for, I think he was auditioning for Glee at the time. Um, And we're chatting, and I was like, wow, you're you're very interesting. And we go back to the ferry, and we're like, well, we've got an hour to kill. You seem like not a sketchy human being. Cool. Let's, like, hang out and chit-chat. And also, if you've ever been in the Staten Island Ferry Terminal in the middle of the night, you know it's not a safe place to be by yourself as a tiny little girl. Mm. So it's like, safety. Yay. (laughs) So we're chatting. We're like, oh, you like he seems super cool. And then he was like, why are you going to Staten Island? Like, what? And I was like, oh, this is where I'm staying. It's where my grandmother's house is. And he, like, a light bulb went off in his head. And I was like, what? He was like, wait, where, where on Staten Island? I was like, oh, kind of by the zoo. And he literally looks at me, recites my address. And I was like, why do you know where I live? Yeah, suddenly, are you <gasps> safety or are you stalker? <laughs> and he was like, I was your grandmother's paper boy. For years. Wow. Like, I know that house. I've been to that house. Like, I had been every day dropping He was your paper. grandma's paper boy? Yeah. How crazy is that? Okay. <laughs> and I think, <laughs> I think we had crossed paths before at, like, night and not realized it. Because, like, he literally lived half a block down the street from my grandmother. And so I was like, okay, that's crazy. Cool. So we keep chatting. We take the ferry back together. And, of course, we literally then have the same route on the bus as well yeah, back yeah, to the yeah. house, right? And so he had just, I think that day or the day before, released this his first EP. And he was like, you know, would, would, you, be, would you be interested in listening to it? I was like, yeah, let's go. I want to hear that. That's so exciting. And he plays this song for me called Broken Man. And I didn't really process the lyrics the first time he played it for me because we're like, you know, on a bus with earphones in. But I was like, this is, this is pretty good. Like, you got your attention. Yeah. Yeah. I dig it. It was like, do you have a copy? Like. I totally want a, a copy. So he had a bunch of the physical copies on them and, and gave me a copy. Um, and it's like, cool. So I'm so excited to go listen to the rest of it. So we go, we part ways. Um, and I go actually really listen to this, to the whole EP, but really to this song. And as I'm listening to it, I'm like getting more and more freaked out because it basically sounds like the story of my father. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how does this person know my life story and, like, doesn't know me? Mm-hmm. And so I became, like, really, really obsessed with and infatuated with this song. Um, and then some months later, we came across each other again in the city. And I was like, I, I hope this isn't really weird, but, like, I have to ask you, what is this song about? Um, and he told me that his father was a first responder in 9-11 and it destroyed him. And so this is about his father. But the stories are so parallel. Um, it's really incredible. Um, yeah, so why don't we listen to it, and then I'll, I'll finish out the other fun half of the saga. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Broken Man by Merrick Smith, mm-hmm. that's how you say it, yeah. uh, from the Entropy EP, released in 2014. It's pretty... It's pretty amazing. He's pretty great. I mean, part of what's so uh, further incredible about this EP in particular is he did basically everything. Like, he plays all the instruments. He wrote all the songs. Like, it's all just very raw. Um, I definitely have spent 
many a car ride listening to that or honestly to the whole EP and just like sobbing in my car. It's a very um, it it's like cathartic sobbing. I'm like, I don't feel great. I need to listen to this and cry and then I'll feel better. Mm. Um, yeah, but it was such a like crazy moment when I really processed the lyrics. Like this is like for Whoa. people who haven't heard your mom's episode, would you like to give a very short version sure, of what, yeah. what you mean by yes. your, your dad, too? So my father died when I was 10. He had lung cancer that spread to his bones. Um, he was a violent alcoholic and a chain smoker and, you know, essentially killed himself. Um, hmm. And so just all of that was like. I mean, literally, he talks about, like, being 11. He talks about how he's got these drinking problems and these smoking problems. I was like, this is literally about my father. Hmm. <sighs> um, yeah, so so come the time that I, I, I came across him again and asked him what it was about, we had a, a free evening and we had the, the house on Staten Island. It was, you know, it was just me and my grandmother was living with my mother here in, in Florida at the time. And so he was like, you want to, like, have a jam sesh? And I was like... Yeah, yeah, I want to do that. That's awesome. And so he goes and gets his guitar, and we go back to the house, and it's like you know midnight, one in the morning, and he's like, you know, I, I I'm trusting that you're not a serial killer, and I was like, it's cool. I'm trusting you're not a rapist. So like we're on, we're on equal footing here. And it worked out. It worked out, and and we just like hung out and chit chatted for a while, and had a jam sesh like late into the night, and it's this very like it kind of sounds fake. It sounds like a scene from a movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And I don't really know a lot of pop music. So we're trying to figure out, like, oh, we want to jam together. Like, what songs do I know? And finally, I, like, work up the guts to be like, well, we could sing your song. And he was like, wait, wait, you you know all the words? I was like, yeah. I've only listened to it a thousand times. Yeah, yeah. And it was so sweet because he was like, no one's ever learned all the words to one of my songs before. Like, that's so cool. Wow. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so he was like, okay, what key? I was like, your key. Well, you know, that's the key I know it in. So we sang it together at, like, 2 in the morning. Um, it was really cool. And, like, one of those magical movie moments that I will never forget. No recording of it? No, sadly. I know we did we did a couple of things. I was like, well, we sound so good together. I should have been recording it. Have but you kept up with him? A little bit. He just got off the tour of Dear Evan Hansen. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, he's That's like my kind of a big deal now. <laughs> wait, is he? Who was he? He was Connor. He, he wasn't. Okay. Oh. Yeah. My daughter's going to yeah. freak out. She yeah. has been telling me, I guess the guy that plays Evan Hansen now, he's getting ready to retire and he's her favorite. Um, retired from that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he was on the national tour, so it was probably with a different cast. Uh, oh, but he just did his year and now has left the tour. I don't know what he's doing right now. Um, so no romantic? You know, I'm I, looking at you. Listen. You're kind of glowing talking about him. <laughs> No, I was definitely sort of infatuated with him for a while, but he always had a girlfriend and we lived in, you know, halfway across the country from each other. And has he like, put out any more music since that? Yes. So he has now his LP called uh, Bad Bad Man. Highly recommend everyone go look it up, go listen to it. Um, and in particular, there's a song on that album called The Lake. And I was like, sobbing. I was so excited that he finally recorded this song because in that same evening, that oh, jam Oh, you sesh, got to hear it just as a jam. He just sang it to me and I was like, oh my god, I'm being serenaded by this like amazing human being. Huh? And But the, the chorus of it is so beautiful and so atypical and I it stuck with me all those years and I would always like find myself humming it and so finally when I was like, oh, I have the whole thing again. I like now I listen to that on repeat too because it just brings up that, that memory. Um, yeah, it's hmm. cool. a lot of synchronicity in that. Yeah, like today too. It's all, it's all <laughs> it's happening. It's all synchronicity. Music um, makes synchronicity happen. <laughs> do you? Do you? Um, are you into Broadway musicals? Oh, totally. Okay, I'm a total. So, Broadway and if you get to go to New York quite a bit, then you've probably seen a bunch. I have. Yeah, I haven't seen Got a, a lot current of favorite. The... Oh, my God, Next to Normal is always my favorite, right. which you, you talked about with my mom. That's another one that if I'm like having a time and I just need to cry, I'll just put that that whole album on and like sing and like sob and cr- like sing through my sobbing and yeah yeah that is a uh... what's the one you've seen most recently 
Uh, we just saw Book of Mormon here oh, a couple yeah. days ago. My it's daughter got hilarious. to see it for the first time. Yeah, yeah, I'd never seen it before. It's a great. I texted her. What did you think? She said it's so good. Yeah, so inappropriate. Oh, oh yeah, we were cracking up. <laughs> it's so funny because everyone kept being like, you know, it's my mother. You know, it's it's very offensive. And she was like, Have you met me? Nothing offends me. Like, oh yeah. She and I. Oh, well, my daughter's you. fourteen. I yeah. sent her with some friends. What yeah, the heck? She's I know. a theater kid, right? I yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, what about concerts? Not choir, not orchestral, not vocal stuff, but like rock and roll. Folk. I've been stuff. to like two. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, well, I, I've been to a couple of like weird contexts. The most recent concert concert I went to was Hank Green and the Perfect Strangers. Okay. Which probably no one has ever heard of, but if you have, hi, we're best Is friends. Is one of them Balky? No, you're not going to make that joke either. I got Sorry. that joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, when I said Steve Perry before, you have no idea who that is, I right? Know. The That's name, the like, lead kind singer of, of Journey who had oh, to retire because yeah, yeah. he blew out his somethings, yeah. so it could have been that. It could have been. I'm not 100% sure. He definitely did something bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, which TV theme song do you have committed to memory that you'd like to sing for and oh, with us? Oh, my God, there's so many. Tara's getting into position. There's so many. <laughs> oh, no. Um, <laughs> now I have to think. I, it's really, I know so many. But then, of course, you're like, give us one. And I'm like, oh, no, take your time. I don't take your know. time. We can let it breathe. This can be one of those places where the show breathes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> stress, stress, stress. Um. I, it's God, this is so awful. Like the first thing that's coming to head is the My Little Pony theme song. Hey, I don't think anybody's brought the, that the yet. The new one, the current show. Friendship is magic. The Friendship is magic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan. We watch it with my daughter all the time. Hold on. You're okay. gonna sing that. I'm uh, gonna just hum along. I'll just try to be like the left hand no, of an accordion. Too late. <laughs> oh my god. Of course now I'm like, do I actually remember all the words? It's right. really weird stuff. Uh, I'm gonna try this one. Hang tight. My oh God, no, yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. Oh no! Oh no! This is Wait, the old one. It's long. What is this? I mean, this is this is the right one. It's just longer. They changed it. Wow. Yeah, they, that's not that's not the one. It's like no, this pony. is the one I'm thinking of. But they cha- the beginning used to just be like my little uh, pony. My yeah. <laughs> I was like, where's the awe? I'm ready for the awe. Here, try, I think the short version. <laughs> yeah. That's an ad. Stand by. Get out of here, ads. We don't want you. <laughs> We're in ad-free zone. Thank you very much. My little right. pony. My little, my little pony. Ah, my little pony. I used to wonder what friendship could be. Get there, Richard. <laughs> this magic with me. Big adventure, tons of fun, a beautiful, beautiful and strong, sharing kindness, it's an easy thing, and magic makes it all complete, yeah, my little pony, <laughs> be best friend. <laughs> Oh, I also okay. I, well done. I also like do I, I do some voiceover stuff on the side. I would like to do oh, more of it. That. Yeah. But I particularly clung to a lot of the characters in that show because like Fluttershy and Pinkie Pie. Wow, I'm showing that I know too much about the show. I have really distinct voices that I'm like a little bit too good at. Well, oh right. First of all, do do one of them. Um. Yeah. I, oh God. What's Pink, Pinkie Pie's got this monologue in the in her little song in the first episode where she's like, um, uh. Uh, oh my god! Oh my god! Wait, I gotta like look up the her monologue because it's like amazing. It's gonna it's gonna come back to me because she does this thing. Th- there's this song. Oh oh no! Wait, I remember it. She, she's got this crazy monologue at the end of the song that goes, um, and tell that big dumb scary face that um to take a hike and leave you alone. And if he thinks he's scary, then he's got another thing coming in the fridge. Yeah, such a thing just makes you want to laugh. It's really dumb. That's really good. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. It's like, oh yes, hi, hello. This is where we're going now. Okay, now we're like a, a five-year-old pony crazy thing, and yeah, it's that's my party trick. <laughs> How much of that voice work have you done? Um, less seems than like, I would like. Yeah, it seems like some, that's something you probably could um, do. If anyone wants to hire me, please call me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the fact that um, I mean, Tara Strong. Oh, I love is, her. Is yeah a voice on that show? Yeah. like it really shows kind of the the accolades that they went to on casting. It's really true. It's really, this the whole cast is really solid. Um, and honestly, the music is really good. Hmm. There's this really, there's this really silly whole big um, saga where there's a princess named Cadence and she gets kidnapped and uh, this bad 
pony comes takes and like her, takes her place. Her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and in the song where they're like going back and forth, if you see real cadence and fake cadence, it ends on a deceptive cadence. And I was like, ah, music yeah. nerd. It's a good music joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was freaking out. Right there. <laughs> oh, um, okay. Uh, uh, which way do you fall when it comes to karaoke? Because professional musicians uh, that I've, uh, singers I've learned are either like, yeah, or I'm going to go in there and I'm going to rule it. So here's, here's my dilemma with karaoke. I love karaoke. And none of my friends will let me do it because then they feel bad because I'm good. And they say that defeats the point. That's – yeah, you're, you're, you're fleshing out what I was getting at. I'm like, but I want to have fun and sing Hillary Duff in public badly. Do you ever like just go to karaoke by yourself then? No. I don't do things by myself. I'm so extroverted. It's really bad. No, sometimes we'll get like a Japanese karaoke room though mm-hmm. where you know, it's like the room and you can just go with your friends. And so it's like, OK, we can go with music people who all are like not going to be mad that I can actually sing. Um, mm. But yeah, I have a lot of friends who won't go with me because they're like, you're not the same. Do you see uh, just recently within the – well, I say recently. Within the last three years, um, Jewel – you know, yeah. Alaska singer songwriter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She put on some face, face prosthetics and she went in and sang "You You Belong to Me" or whatever her big hit was. Oh as God. and everybody was like, "Oh my God, you're just like Jewel!" And it was her. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love that. Hilarious is that Mike just mistook a Taylor Swift song for a Jewel oh, song. You know, Ooh. It? Well, it's something like that. It's close. <laughs> see face What's right Jewel's <laughs> famous song? The only Jewel song I know is "Hands." Uh, I don't know any jewels. <laughs> <laughs> it was it's something like that. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know music. I Emerald? Don't know no, wait, that's a jewel. <laughs> I host oh I host a show about music, but I don't know much about it. <laughs> well, I believe you, Tara, because I don't know anything. Okay, about okay. Music. We're moving we're moving down the road. Uh, <laughs> it's time for your last song. What is okay. It? So this is this is the most like prolonged like time period wise thing. So okay. this is Masters of War from John Culliano's song cycle, Mr. Tambourine Man, which is a resetting of seven Bob Dylan texts. Um, and he sort of crafted this new vague narrative out of them. It's a really, really incredible piece of music. It has become, the whole piece has become one of my favorite things on the planet to perform. Um, but so back in like 2012, when Jason and I first started hanging out, he was obsessed with this piece, and he, this was like the first piece of vocal music that he had ever heard as a kid, and it was what made him want to compose. And he had been trying desperately to get his friends to listen to it, to get someone to perform it. And he, out of context, played this movement for me. This is the middle movement. It's sort of the climax. So I'm going to do to all of you what he did to me. It was like, out of context, crazy, let's go. Um, so let's listen to it, and then I will tell you what uh, 19-year-old me thought of this. Okay, uh, so this is uh, Masters of War. How do you say John Corigliano? Corigliano. Corigliano. What she said. Italian. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Tam- like, like the Godfather. Like yeah, the Godfather. Uh-huh. Uh, um, sung by Gila Plitman, who won a Grammy for this and is a goddess. All right, let's go. So what's that? What's going on with that? So, <laughs> so that's the middle movement of the piece. Um, if you're, if anyone's a Bob Dylan fan, you may recognize the text in a very different context. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so this is Jason's favorite movement. It has now become my one of my favorite things. But I didn't know anything about contemporary music really at the time. And we're in the car driving down US one in Miami and he like blasts the car speakers. Yeah, and that's plays driving this music. For me. Yeah. And I was like, what the f is this? garbage you are playing for me i like had no context i I was just like i have been assaulted my soul has been assaulted like what why oh my god and and jason was like no it's so good like and he tried to really explain it to me and like give me the context i was like no i hate it it's bad and then a year later after uh the creation of the first piece we listened to he played it for me again in the exact same context just about a year later. And I didn't remember that he had played it for me this, huh. this year before. And then now I, it ends and I go, what is that? I want it. <laughs> so this like evolution of me learning about contemporary music and really finding that like that was what I was really excited about. And so 
he was like, yeah, 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 you're excited. Okay, great. You're going to learn it. I've decided you're doing the piece. I was like, anything for you, my best friend. Um, So I got the score. I was like, okay, I'm going to learn this whole piece. P.S. Dear everyone, highly recommend. Go listen to the whole piece. It's amazing. Um, So I start start going through this. And like the whole piece, it's like just under 40 minutes long. It's really, really, really difficult, but it's really incredible music. And so I'm going through and I learn it and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it for our concerto competition at Miami. Ooh, that's so cool. Now, in the process of me deciding to and learning it uh, through a really convoluted series of events, I get hired, in air quotes, to be the cover for Gila Plitman, who who did this recording in a show. So I was like, huh. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, like an understudy. Okay, good. I was like, what? <laughs> okay. Yeah, 10 out of 10. Let's do that for a different piece of music. But they were bringing her in to do this this piece, a uh, piece by Michael Doherty at uh, the University of Miami, and they needed someone to sing in the rehearsals before she got there because she would only be there for a couple of days. And they found me, and they were Understood. like, hey, you want to do this? And I was like, yes, please. Oh, my God. And so now I'm like, having heart palpitations and like freaking out because I'm like I'm learning the piece that she won a Grammy for and I get to meet her and oh my god what do I do with my life and that was a point at which I didn't entirely know how to like meet people that I idolized and not be weird (laughs) so I'm like freaking out and we we get to the to the first rehearsal that she's there and I I mean I could not have asked for a a better experience first and catch she she comes into the room sees me immediately knows who I am. They clearly had, like, they had told her who I was in the car and that I was going to, like, be at the rehearsal. They gave her a folder. <laughs> Throws her arms around mm. me. And, I mean, it's just, like, the most genuine, warm human being I have ever met. And she was just like, oh, my gosh, you're the young soprano they've been telling me about. I'm so excited to meet you. And I was like, what? You're excited to meet me? That's not how this works. I'm very confused. <laughs> um, but so I, I got to watch her rehearse and 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 sort of become friends with her throughout this process. And she is someone, again, also, if you've never seen her perform, I I really strongly recommend looking up a video and watching her perform because she is someone, like, I, I want to be everything that she is as a performer because she is someone who just becomes the music. It's never about her. There's no ego involved. She just, like, lets the music flow through her, and it is the most incredible thing I've ever experienced. And it's and it shows too in her as a person because she was just so so wonderful and loving, and I know I've seen her multiple times since then. And we go and have dinner, and she's just like the coolest person ever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is this weird thing that I'm friends with the woman who won the Grammy for? The- ah! um, and then a couple years later, I uh, I you know I sort of fantasized about getting to sing it for the composer, and and John's pretty old. Um, and lives in New York City, so he doesn't he doesn't travel a ton. So I was like, eh, it's you know that's a it's a pipe dream. Well, no. Hmm. <laughs> so I mean, I, I never in my whole life thought this would happen. But um, he was coming through Dallas because Mark Adamo had an opera being premiered at the Dallas Opera, and they're married. And so he came down with him for the premiere, and they got both him and Mark to do a master class at SMU. And I was like, if I am not on it. I will murder someone. So put me on it. And I I was worried I was going to have to fight for it. No, everyone was afraid to sing for him. So I was like, let's go. Let's do this. Yes, 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 yes. And so uh, Jason came in and actually played it for me. And we did Masters of War for John. And he, this is like, I still don't believe that this happened. (laughs) He just like, we finish. Dead silence. And I'm like, oh, my God, he hates me. And he stands up, stares at me. And just goes, yeah, I've got nothing. That was amazing. And I'm honestly kind of afraid of you. (laughs) And I was like, yes. Oh, my God. This is all I ever wanted in my whole life. (laughs) And then uh, and Dan Welcher was in the room of this class. And he conducts the new music ensemble at the University of Texas. And he'd been wanting to do it for a while. And John literally looks at him and says, you want to do it? You've been looking for someone. Hire her. And so here we are. I have the composer telling someone to hire me to do it. What? Did that happen? <laughs> and so I did. So I did it with UT. Um, and then I actually did it there the, the consecutive year. And now I just did it with Voices of Change in Dallas. And they let me produce the whole thing. And I got to design the lighting. And it was really cool. Wow. Yeah. So it's, a, it's had a whole, like, crazy multifaceted 
effect on my life. And I really, I I believe that everybody needs to listen to this song cycle because it's really powerful and relevant, and it's um it's a it's a very powerful look at how awful war is and sort of dealing with that. Uh, and also it's Bob Dylan, but also not. It's really fun. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm just like, I want to do it everywhere. I want to sing it for everyone. Like, go listen to it. I love how in, in, in your world, contemporary means something else than in all the other yeah, musical worlds. Yeah, I mean, this, this piece was written in 2000. Well, exactly. It's contemporary so, opera. It's right. Not they're alive. necessarily <laughs> contemporary it's not music. Pop. And, yeah, exactly. But it is very, like, kind of stylistically crossover as far as the singing goes. Um, it's certainly not opera but it's, yeah, yeah. it's very i mean it's classical singing but a lot of why i personally have a lot of fun singing it is i get to flex all of those muscles and i get to um, one of the movements is clothesline and if you're familiar with that text he's it's just this this like rambling little kid basically being like and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened and it's also in this kid's view it's like when you hear a, a um like a like a seven or eight year old tell a story and then they have to like do all the voices and it's mm-hmm. like and then the neighbor came by and he was like bleh, 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 you know mm-hmm. and that all happens in the song so I do like subtly different voices in the song and uh, yeah it's really fun to to go on that journey. So watching you listen to these songs, you kind of dance slash play to the music with your hands. <laughs> yeah, it's very like quasi conductory. Do you have to resist doing that when you're on stage? No. No, because, you can just put that all away. You're in a different place. Well, because when I'm on stage, the thing that I really strive for, um, this is sort of what I said about Gila, is that you there you shouldn't have any right. inhibition. That was, that's what it's I was. Just gotta, it's got to flow through you. But So it's this combination of performance but also experience. And so you, I anyways, let try to let myself just like do whatever feels correct. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I struggled for a long time actually with that because there's this really awful stigma in music school, really. I, unfortunately, we teach this to a lot of young singers and I want to fix it, but that's kind of not possible because it's so widespread. Um, but in in like art song, in like concert, classical concert music, we try to teach people that it's just you just have to stand there and sing pretty. And that is like so counter to everything that I believe in and everything that like is me as a musician. And I remember being told as a freshman, like, like, no, you're I made like one gesture in a song and they were like, it's too much. Just yeah. stand there. Like, just don't move. And I have literally had people say to me, like, just stand there and like be the pretty girl in the dress. And I... Actually, I remember when that was said to me, I was really angry. So I was like, I'm not the pretty girl in the dress. That is exactly what I am rebelling against in this industry because that's why people don't like it because there's this wall and it's like you're trained to be a machine and to sound like perfect and whatever. And like, I hate that. That like This is why people think opera is dying because so many people try to do that. And I'm like, no, the the emotion, the imperfection all of that, like that's what makes a performance intriguing in any genre. Why are we trying to not do that here? And so I, I sort of realized, honestly, kind of recently, that that voice was still in the back of my head, uh, particularly with German leaders. So I was doing some Schubert, and I was really, really struggling with it. I was like, well, I don't understand why this is so difficult for me. And then it sort of dawned on me that I had this subconscious voice saying, just stand there and be still and and it was stifling my voice because my whole body was rigid. And so I just like I couldn't make music. And so f- once I sort of got rid of that, I was like, oh, <laughs> this is how this works. Right. Hmm. Um, yeah. But so I very much and also now that I'm not in school anymore, I'm like, I can do what I want. Yeah. Um, I, I do exactly that. I'm just like I do what I want. I do what I feel is the correct thing. But you don't dance thing. with your hands. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, it, dep- it depends on the piece. Like I, guess I just, so. yeah. I did if that's a, what seems right, then that's what's going to happen. I did, I did a piece this summer on this concert tour that Jason and I did that Jason wrote um, about a dog. And it was this, it was basically like the dog from Up. So the entire text is, hi there, hi, be my best friend, my very best friend, squirrel. And so it's very, this very like crazy cartoon and you're just like hi hi be my friend squirrel squirrel <laughs> it's like it's all very like stylized movement and facial expression hmm. yeah um if you could start a band of any kind and be a member of it mm. without having to learn whatever it is you want to do mm-hmm. what what would what would that be comprised of well i kind of have one 
Oh. Um, yeah. So the Jason, the composer, pianist, friend, human, uh, is my pianist. And we have a clarinetist named Brian Tracy, and we are the Sterling Trio. And we're actually doing our first concert tour this summer. Um, shameless self-promotion will be in Fort Myers June 7th, I believe, at 2 p.m. at Cypress Cove. We're working that all right now. Um, but yeah, we're doing we're like doing all the tour thing. Original stuff, doing any covery stuff. Um, so it's um, it's all in the in the classical tradition. Um, but a lot of it, we've commissioned a new piece from a, an up and coming composer. Um, Jason wrote a piece for it. We're highlighting this big piece by Dominic Argento, and we've got a couple of other things. So it's mostly contemporary. And you're not starting a rock and roll band. In we're not words. starting a rock and roll band. No, but. Um, but, it, you know, some of the stuff that we're doing on it is not what I think you would expect of classical music. Um, we've, we very much strive to do, do exactly, you know, what I've been talking about is something different, something that's going to grab the audience and say, like, no, this is an accessible art form. This is something that is relevant to people right now. And that, you know, it's it's not only is it relevant to people, but is is for you. You know, it's like sometimes you go to a rock and roll concert or to a I don't know, whatever, and that you're like, this is music for me. Like, I love this. This resonates with me. And, like, this can do that, too. It's it's a different thing. And so we very much strive for that vibe with um, stuff. When you, when you hear the song I Will by the Beatles, do you always think of your mom? Mm-hmm. Yeah? I mean, honestly, I, like, I hear anything by the Beatles, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> what would your 14-year-old self going into freshman year at Cypress Lake High School think of who you are now and what you're doing? Um... At that point, I really still wanted to be a J-pop star. So probably I'd be like, what the hell is this opera thing? What? I mean, I guess you're singing. So, like, that's cool. <laughs> okay. um, uh, are there any songs that you'll avoid listening to because of the memory that uh, they revive? It revives. No. I avoid, like, most country and rap because I just don't like it. <laughs> but right. um, no, there's not really anything that I'm like, turn it off. I hate it. No, I take it back. The chicken dance. I hate the chicken dance. Okay, yeah. I hate that. <laughs> I don't know why. There is something about like the instrumentation of it. And I think also just like the context of like elementary school dance and like burn it, burn it. <laughs> I hate it. But okay, is it just because it's polka? <laughs> you hate polka? No, I did polka. Polka's fun. There's just something about that song that just like really rubs me the wrong way. Um, okay, we're basically out of time. Uh, can you recommend three people who you'll share this with yeah. who you also think should be on it? Okay. Um, well, I think you should get Jason. Jason, Mulligan. I figured he was on the list. He, I think he's got a, a lot of fun, fun stuff he could, um, he could add to this. Um, uh, my, I have a very dear friend named Kendra Dozier, um, who is actually living with us right now. Um, she has been my best friend since like middle school. I think it'd be really fun to she get here her in, in here. She is here in town. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, my, my current boyfriend, uh, Maddox Finkel. He's a, Maddox Finkel. Quite a name, I know. Wow, that's um, great. That but, sounds like a movie, ma- like a made-up name. He, well, he's a filmmaker. So. Oh. No, but that's his real name. Um, he, he does film and, and visual art, but he is like the biggest music nerd I have ever met. His dad's a, a jazz pianist, so he's sort of grown up around it. But he's the one who's al- he's always sending me new stuff. He's like, have you heard this? Have you heard this? Like constantly there is music playing. Um, so I think that would be really fun. Okay, well, yeah, can link, you know, do, I'll, do I'll all the stuff you. to yeah, connect yeah, yeah. us and I totally will. draw attention to this for them. I totally will. Uh, if you could, if you could sing any one piece in front of, oh, I don't know, everyone, everyone, like in uh, the whole world, yeah, Tambourine and, Man, yeah, <laughs> like the original. No, like that that oh, whole well, song just, cycle. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. like the whole song cycle. I wanted, I want to sing that for every living being ever. Like I just, I feel so strongly about it. Well, all right. Yeah. Um, we're done. Do you have any final we thoughts? It. We did it. We did the thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This was fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we make this show in the WGCU studios in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Calligan is online content producer and sometimes host. Richard hosts sometimes too. Christophus is executive producer. Our theme song was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's parting tune, we're going back to episode 62 of this podcast with Alyssa's mom, Maria. So um, this song has a long history that starts in 1968 when the White Album first came out and the song I Will, I was on it. And from the very first time I heard it, I vowed that that was going to be the lullaby I would sing to my child if I ever got to be a mother. And in some ways, when I was thinking about doing this program, I realized that um, I'd like to dedicate it to my daughter because I... 
you know, some people, I mean, here I am, you know, college professor, department chair, la, 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 all those big things. The only thing I ever wanted that I knew from the time I was very little was to be a mom. And in high school, I actually dreamed my daughter. Hmm. And she looks exactly like the girl was in the dream that I had when I was in high school. So, I, you know, I got involved with my career. I, I didn't have children. And I finally you know, found a man I wanted to have a child with. And, um, and then was diagnosed with endometriosis and told I probably could never have children. And, you know, in the meantime, every time I heard the song, I will, it was, ah, uh, I'm ever going to be able to get to sing this as a lullaby to my child. And then finally, I had a really good doctor who said, no, I think we can do something about this. I did this lengthy treatment to try to heal my body to a point where I could get pregnant and um, then got pregnant and miscarried. And again, thought, oh, no, you know, maybe I really can't have children. But then a couple of months later, I got pregnant with my daughter. And from the minute I knew I was pregnant with her, this, I would sing it to my belly <laughs> to her. And, um, and then up until the time that she said, please stop singing me lullabies, mom, um, I sang her I Will every night um, before she went to bed. Keep listening. Next time on Three Song Stories. The four, three, two, one. Uh, it's actually one, one two, three. For it's actually <laughs> ten. God damn it! Six. It's gonna be this the whole time. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna record you though while that happens. Okay. Yeah. Oh, start from ten. Yeah. Oh. No. Um, I'm gonna start the click here, Luke, and then you can do it. Okay. The four, three, two, one. No. One, two. Three. Oh, sorry. I keep mixing that up. Anyway. One, two, three, Not yet. four, one. I'm right. confused on Mike's what's happening. Mike's going to start. Mike's going to tell you what you need to do. Okay. Count one, two, three. Sorry. One, two, three. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what? This is all staying in.